everyone, it's John and Ben and welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Santa Claus the Movie, one minute at a time. Sponsored by McDonald's. It's a good time for the great taste of McDonald's. It's a good time for the great taste of McDonald's. And this week, there's a lot going on in this minute and we needed to bring in someone special to help us break it down. A fellow podcaster, a fellow YouTuber, a good friend of ours. It's Jason Duvall of Toy World Order. Hi, guys. It's Jason. Here he is. Hey. I love you guys, but the fact that you guys are doing a podcast that breaks down this movie minute by minute just it makes me smile so big. <laughs> so what's your relationship with this movie, Jason? I, dude, I haven't seen this movie in like 25 years. I mean, I, I have it on VHS downstairs, and I think the last time I watched it, I was... That's well, it's probably been longer than 25 years because the last time I watched it, I was like 12 and had the flu. Um, though it's been a long time since I've seen this. So when uh, when you guys sent me the minute to watch and I watched it and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I remember bits of this now. So it's it's been a long time. But uh, I mean, it was it was one of those movies where you I watched it at Christmas time. You know, I remember the year it came out. I remember the year that, you know, we got it on. We rented it actually on uh God, what was it, 85? Was that what the year, was that when they came out? Is that right? Yes. Yep, it came out in theaters in 85 and then oh, on VHS yeah. in 86. Yeah, I want to say we were we were running VHS by then because before that was, we had to rent beta because the VHS tapes were always rented out. So that's showing my age, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Greatly showing my age. That's what we did on a Friday night. We'd go to the video store and there were blue dots for beta and red dots for VHS and most of the good stuff on VHS was checked out so you had to get beta. Well, we have to say, Jason, you're a big reason we started this podcast. You're you're the person who gave us the kick to finally take the dive and start the podcast when you sent us that poster for oh. Christmas <laughs> a yeah. year or so ago. Well, you guys had sent us, I mean, over the years, you guys have sent us such great little care packages, and I'm really bad at finding stuff for people. The only person I can do that with is Dave Draper, who is my co-host and best friend on Dave and Duvall's Toys and Collectibles. Um, and that's just because I shoot for the moon because I know what he doesn't have. But knowing what you guys liked, it was hard to find like My Little Pony something because I'm like, well, well, heck, they've got everything at this point. What the heck would I get them that they don't have? And then I started to discover Ben's love for this movie. And lo and behold, because I'm bored at work and I joined 400 million Facebook groups every week just because I'm like, oh, let's see what's on here. I found somebody selling movie posters was flipping through them and i was like well crap i've never seen a theatrical poster for this before and i was like well know who that's going to go to so i i knew i had to get it and send it to you guys so that 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 warms my heart that it started because i sent you that poster that's very cool you can't see it in her chat window but it is framed on the wall she has like a little santa claus movie shrine over there there oh, it nice is. i see it there it is yeah look at that that's a beautiful poster too it's great artwork mm -hmm. it is 
we found various interesting collectibles falling down the eBay rabbit hole for this movie. <laughs> we found like the weirdest things. I've been following you guys' uh, the Instagram posts and stuff. Every time something pops up, I'm like, well, I, I didn't know that existed. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I sent you guys pictures of the pop-up book that I have that I found that had never been used that was just one of those weird random discoveries where you're like, how much stuff did they make for this movie? Because no offense, I know you love this movie, Ben, but that movie didn't make no money. <laughs> that movie was a box office bomb when it opened. And it amazes me how much merchandise they actually made for that film. And the fact that no one's really made any merchandise for it since then, because it has become sort of this weird cult classic like a lot of these films do. But there just hasn't been a lot of... But, but when it first came out, there was a ton of merchandise for it, which is mind-boggling. There was a McDonald's tie-in, for God's sakes. We'll be getting to that. Ah, yes, 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 we will. <laughs> and when we started this show, we knew we had to have you on for this particular minute. Well, I like appreciate it's an that. Eight, it's an 80s movie. It's nostalgic. It's got McDonald's for yeah, <laughs> half it, of this minute. Yeah, it, it brought a lot of nostalgia back when I saw that. We'll, we'll get to talking about that soon. But uh, I watched that clip and was like, oh, I remember those McDonald's. It's like a time capsule. I miss those McDonald's. <laughs> So did you rewatch the movie in preparation for this or did you only watch no, the minute that no, we No, I just watched you? I just watched the minute and because I remember so vividly the storyline because I know I know the film has a lot to do with with Dudley Wright's character trying to become head elf if I remember right or yep, to Santa's that extent, assistant yeah. Santa's assistant which technically head elf um and then lots of shenanigans happen and and John Lithgow comes into play and just blows it all up and I know there's like a big Broadway moment with like everyone dancing with Dudley and uh, I remember a, a lot of this movie. I remember the story beats I don't remember so well, but I remember the flow of it pretty well. We're probably going to be talking about this minute for the actual runtime of the movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ben's just going to sit back. Like, oh, this is going to be a big one. Let, yeah. this, let you guys talk. This is going to be a supersized minute. <laughs> but before we get into the McDonald's stuff, a pretty big uh, event is about to happen here in the movie. Yes. Santa is looking at Team Puffy. It, well, in the last minute, we saw Patch had produced this giant pile of toys from his automatic machine. While Puffy over here has been manufacturing toys the traditional way, like hand yes. carving, I'm doing everything by hand. And Santa is about to make the decision of who is going to be appointed his assistant. Santa looks at Puffy and gives him a pat on the shoulder as if to say, good job, or you did your best. Puffy is clearly disappointed as he glances over to his team. Santa turns towards Patch's team. He smiles and claps. The elf workshop erupts in cheering and applause. And Patch has got a neat little, uh, nice little apron, too, if I remember right, right? That, yep, he gets that nice apron. I wonder if that apron still exists. You know, that's something you watch a lot of these old movies, especially something like this. That's another thing. You you know, we talked about the merchandise at the start, but you wonder how much of the costuming exists now. I wonder if it's a case of, after watching many years of, of different, like, auction shows and stuff, there was a show called Hollywood Treasures where they would go to like these old, um, not old, but they would go to these these rental places that would rent to movies in LA and they would dig through costumes and stuff in the warehouse. And they would find a lot of these classic costumes just sitting on a rack waiting to be rented out. So it makes me wonder if a lot of these holiday film costumes, especially stuff like in this film, aren't just still sitting on a rack somewhere waiting to get rented out for some 
purpose. Did you see that show on Disney Plus, Prop Culture? I started to watch it. I, I <laughs> sounds really bad. I don't like the host. Like I, I oh, really? can't. I can't get past him, uh, and the fact that I watched the Muppet episode. Um, but I that was the only one I really watched because I was just like, oh, I just cannot, I cannot deal with him. Um, I'll have to go back and try to rewatch them again. But I, I did like, you know, I, I shows like that. They seem so much, you know, the host takes up so much of the time at certain points. I just want to see the items. And I think that's why the, the show that I was talking about, Hollywood Treasures, was on sci-fi for a couple of seasons. And it was it's a great show. And it centered around the auction company where that's all they did. It was profiles in history. And that's all they did was they went and found this stuff for the auction. So you got to see more of the items and more of the history than more of talky talky heads, you know. Ben and I remember that show. Actually, in that prop culture show, the uh, Hollywood Treasure did a thing about finding Mary Poppins's handbag. Yes. And then they had a big thing about, oh, I helped find this on the prop culture show. The host was like, oh, I helped them help Disney help them find, find this yeah. bag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, and we remember we connected the yeah. You start reconnecting the, the dots, and you're like, oh my god. Maybe he was the one who was doing all that silent bidding for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Because it went for a lot of money. I remember that years ago. It'd be fun if they did a similar show about what still exists from this, because every once in a while, something you totally wouldn't expect bubbles up at some Hollywood museum or prop auction or something. Yeah. Like one of the Elf beds uh, was up for auction not too long ago. Really? Yep. Mm, bet you it took everything that that you had to control Ben. Not don't bid on it. No, you can't. Where would you put an elf bed? You can't pull four mortgages on the house. No. I'd find somewhere I'd hang it from the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> you guys would come over, and your guys's living room is just a just a planet Hollywood. All of a sudden, it's just Santa Claus, the movie merchandise hanging from the ceiling. Yes, everything. <laughs> Then you're charging me for an overpriced burger and a cheap drink. It's like, oh, this, this is the real experience, guys. Yep. <laughs> Got to make up the money somehow. That's right. So you're That's probably right. not. I, I still, ahead. I still want to find a rock of fire explosion set. I don't know where I'd ever put the showbiz pizza place stage, but I still want one. So I, I get, I, I, I understand your love. Trust me. I'm sure your wife would love a full stage of creepy mm. animatronics right yes. in the living room. Yes, she would. It'd be like Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> Our son is all about Five Nights at Freddy's right now. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a big thing with the kids, man. We, we've gone off track quite a few times yeah. already. Eh, it happens. <laughs> so you have me on and things just spiral down different aisles. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Ben, Jason may not be acquainted with all the elves on Puppy's mm -hmm. team. Mm -hmm. So can you maybe you can point point him out. OK, well, I will do the best I can here. So oh, the three major ones on Puffy's team. We have in the middle is Gooba and he is also the tailor. He is the one who created Santa's red suit and he does all of the the mending of all the elves clothes if they let him. And this other one is Goober. So don't get him confused. The one in the orange is Goober. And uh, he is a painter. He likes to, he paints with his beard. Ben, I, ha I have to make a correction. It's not, Goober is another elf that we haven't oh. seen. <laughs> oh, Remember, yeah. This is Goobler. Oh, Goobler. Sorry, Goobler. 
There's Gooba, Goober, and Goobler. That one's Gooba and Goobler is here. Sorry, my bad. You spent a lot of time trying to differentiate all the L's. It's very hard. <laughs> but I love how there's like a little storyline going on between uh, Gooba and uh, Goobler and their feelings about Patch getting appointed the assistant. Yeah. Like when when the all the L's started applauding, it takes some takes some prodding for Goobler there to like. Uh, yeah. Start start clapping along. He does not want to acknowledge Patch uh, get this position. Yeah, Gooba really yeah. has to like. He's like, it's okay, Goobler, you could do it. It's okay, you know, we lost, but go ahead, clap, be a be a good elf. <laughs> it's like very relatable workplace politics going on here. Yes. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what the names. I was like, who in the heck wrote this screenplay? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how in the world? David Newman, who is now passed away, uh, but he was also the writer for uh, the first three Superman movies. Yep. Mm -hmm. and this was produced by the Salkins, who also did the Superman movies. Yep. Oh, and he also uh, he also wrote the screenplay segment for Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal. Oh, I did not know that. Mm, See, we learn something new every week here. Yeah. Every minute we learn something new. Oh, the Salkins. They were a dynasty for a long time. As you guys are talking about that, I'm kind of going over IMDb like, who all was involved in this movie? <laughs> remember, it's a gorgeous film to look at. And part of it that is because uh, Arthur Ibbotson, who uh, actually did the cinematography for this, who, again, is also now passed on, uh, died in uh, 1997 at the age of 75. He was the cinematographer on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, for those of you wondering. So he's uh, he's been... Uh, he was one of those great Hollywood cinematographers, and he's got a, just a list of um, great films that he was a part of. But Willy Wonka is the one that stands out. He did that, and he did the uh, he did the cinematography for the uh, the Babes in Toyland TV movie that famously stars Keanu Reeves, Andrew Barrymore. This Elf Workshop set is so impressive. We've said it a million times on this show. Mm -hmm. It's like it's a shame that it it's all gone now. It was at oh, Pinewood yeah. Studios. Everything here was uh, filmed at Pinewood Studios, even the New York stuff. Nothing was actually filmed in New York. Which makes sense because Pinewood at the time was the largest studio um, period because they had filmed, you know, Star Wars was filmed there and a lot of classic films was filmed at Pinewood. And it, it doesn't surprise me that that's where this was filmed at because it's just, it's just a cavernous <laughs> place where they can just build these huge sets which sadly these days they don't build huge sets like this anymore and i think that that makes me most sad watching movies these days is a lot of it there's just the 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 days of these large beautifully detailed sets are just slowly 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 fading away more and more um the last movie i can think of that had a, a large detailed beautiful set like this would have been Christmas wise would have been how the Grinch stole Christmas with Jim Carrey because they the, the Whoville set was just enormous and oh, it still yeah. stands it still stands to this day on the Hollywood backlot. Yeah, John and I saw that way back on our honeymoon eons ago. Oh, nice, <laughs> yeah, eons ago. <laughs> eons. Okay, so John, before we move into the McDonald's minute. Did you have da, da, any? Da, da. <laughs> did you have anything else from the Elf Workshop? Because I have a little bit from the book. Well, add. well, there's not too much to add. You know, Dudley Patch turns around. He's very excited, obviously, to have his assistant Apron. He like twirls like the 
<laughs> what would what would the uh the strings? tying parts of an apron be called? Yeah, yeah. Strings. The, his little his little strings. <laughs> yeah, but he twirls them around. He fa- because he's facing his uh three elf buddies. Yeah. Santa's applauding, everybody's applauding. And then before we cut to New York and McDonald's, Patch and Puffy do shake hands. You can tell it's killing Puffy here to yeah. shake Patch's yeah, he was, hand. He was, he was not happy to do that either. He was like, I don't, don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yes, they have a long-standing rivalry. And then we see the three of Patch's buddies. They're cheering from the sidelines, and then they start like, they form like a circle and start hopping up and down. Yes. And then, yeah. bam, we're in New York City again. And again, they do not have their elf hats. So I guess sometime in the past couple thousand years that they've been doing this, they no longer think the hats are a sign of respect. They've gone casual. It's well, at least casual. those four. Yeah, those four. Are they like above it? I don't know. I'm. This is just. It's really driving me crazy how they don't have. Their elf hats on anymore. Their little caps. Well, you probably have to give Jason. You probably have to give Jason some context here. Okay, so <laughs> that's true. You don't know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> back when Santa was named Santa by Father Time, it was a big Father Time. Oh my goodness! By the ancient elf, <laughs> they uh, they made a big deal about how the elves were removing their caps when he was walking down the aisle because uh, Santa had never seen the elves without their caps on. So it was a big sign of respect to the mm. ancient elf, the ancient one. And now all of a sudden this group, this misfit group of elves are no longer wearing their caps when they're working. And it's probably uh, to signify that they're like these young rebels. Like maybe. they want to push Santa into the modern yeah. Age. Maybe, but I don't appreciate it. It's very disrespectful. <laughs> it's disrespectful. Disrespectful for whom exactly, Ben? Me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What else did you have from the okay. novel to add to, yes. to this so, conversation? Santa Claus, the novel here. Um, Santa smiled apologetically, turning away from Puffy because he was unable to think of the words that would take any sting out of Puffy's disappointment of losing. So that's why he left Puffy really quick. Like he switched over mm. to Patch really fast because he just couldn't think of what to do. And then um, Santa, even though he was very happy and delighted to give the the title to Patch because you know how he considers Patch like his son to him you know they've really taken him under his wing he's also kind of sad and hurt that his style of toy making is kind of going away and they're going Mm -hmm. towards this new faster production line and it kind of it hurts him a little bit because it's right you know it's kind of sad about it which you know would make sense they've been doing a traditionalist yes for years centuries yeah so that was pretty much what it was. But I just have this one more thing I want to read from the book, which was kind of weird. Well, not weird, but kind of. Patch looked back at the pile of toys, thinking about how many more toys there would be by Christmas. And Santa would be even more popular because of him. So Santa would be mm. more popular because of Patch. I wanted to put that in there to help drive future <laughs> in the movie. 
future steps in the movie that we're not going to yeah. talk about right now. <laughs> it is interesting that Santa doesn't say anything during this particular um, event. You would think it's a pretty pretty momentous occasion. You think you'd say yeah. something like congratulations or everybody, my new assistant, yeah. or congratulations, uh, Pats, or something. He's a man of few words. Maybe he is like trying to like force a smile. Like I have to admit that we're moving towards the future. So we're going with patch. Yeah. Because he's basing this decision solely on quantity. This tall pile of toys. <laughs> yes. Yeah, quantity. Yeah. So Santa is a bit to blame for what happens later on too. Because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because things been... don't go things don't go so well. No. No. <laughs> and Ben pointed out last minute it's like it's not really fair because uh Puffy Puffy's team made a lot more smaller toys. So of course, Patch's team, I don't think you really see the pile in this minute, but it's all these ride-on scooters and right. tricycles and wagons and stuff. So of course, naturally, he'd have a bigger pile. Right. And we never actually get to see what Patch's assistant duties entail. Because that's something else Ben and I were talking about. <laughs> because it's like, it's set up like, oh, Santa's getting exhausted from his rounds. And it's like, I mean, the elves have already have the uh, production side of things under control it's like it seems like what's tuckering out santa is the whole flying over the world delivering thing right and we were also i'm sure it's because it was a budget thing in the movie it's like you would think it would take multiple of the patchomatic machines to produce enough toys to distribute to around the world yeah but i'm sure that was a, a budget thing they couldn't <laughs> like we have enough money to build one on the set <laughs> I don't know if you remember the machine. It was like this wooden house thing, and then they sent the parts through it. Yeah, and, yeah. And then the uh, ride-on toy would come out through the assembly line. And let's see, the the three guys join hands, just hopping hop, hopping up and down excitedly, and bam, we're in New York City again. Yeah. And Ben, where in the timeline are we? So we are currently going by our our guesstimation of the timeline we are in the christmas season of 1983 possibly christmas eve hmm. possibly not really sure maybe definitely christmas season so it's right around it's close to christmas but christmas hasn't happened yet you can tell it's always around christmas time in the movie when they, you see snow yeah. yeah, on the cars and on the ground. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, so they they pull into that that McDonald's scene, and it's the first thing you notice is like the the old tables and the benches, and all I could think about was was like, they let people smoke in the restaurant at that point, <laughs> huh? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have some of those ashtrays somewhere downstairs. <laughs> Little weird tin foil ashtrays that used to sit on the table that was the first thing for some reason i thought of because my grandfather smoked and that was the first thing i thought of so i was like oh my god i remember the the ashtrays sitting on all the tables and the mcdonald's and they would like come by and clean the tables off and then they'd put a new one on after they cleaned everything off and it was just like ah and that mcdonald's not every mcdonald's was designed that way it seemed like the from what i just the the short little bit they show it of it is it was a, an old um, full-size sit-down restaurant McDonald's where a lot of them weren't built that way but we had one in our mall up until probably the er, probably the late 90s is when they remodeled it 
and it was a full sit down restaurant. Like you went, went all the way to the counter and then there were, you know, all the seating and all the seating looked just like that restaurant. So uh, it's kind of fascinating to see that and go, oh, now they don't look like nothing like that no more. <laughs> no, like modern McDonald's look like a dentist waiting room. You know, you got the yeah. Fox well, News going on the TV. I, 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 I give you, I, I give you a, a little tidbit about me. My uh, my brother-in-law, um, his brother is actually the lead architect for McDonald's. So he's the one that has designed all of these new McDonald's. So he's the oh. one that, that we have to blame for all of the, the interiors looking like they do. Although I do like the benches in there now, but. Well, now I can't even remember the last time we were actually inside a uh, oh, you know, McDonald's. It's been a, yeah, it's been a year and a half now. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. See, but, our... but to prepare for this minute, I did eat a Big Mac before, uh, Ooh, tasty. before we recorded. Tasty. <laughs> we interrupt regular programming for this McDonald's commercial break. It's McDonald's delicious Big Mac sandwich. It's two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, and onions on a sesame seed bun. And now it's only 59 cents with the purchase of any size fries and Dr. Pepper or other soft drink. 59 cent Big Mac sandwiches at McDonald's. Have you had your break today? We now return to your regular programming. So I was gonna, I was gonna talk about the McDonald's theme. The one that is in the town that John and I live in, that one was not remodeled up until until like what was it two years ago, three years ago? It yeah, wasn't too long ago, and it looked like the inside of this one because the one that in our hometown was never touched. I mean, it still oh, had gotcha. the the purple seating. <laughs> oh yeah, and the, yeah. the cracks. It even had the. It even had the play pit place yep. uh, all walled off. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, like yeah. behind there, you you would you get glimpsed once once in a while and see like the McDonald Land uh, yeah. stuff stuffed back yeah, there. That was the only thing that had changed because uh, I I distinctly remember uh, one of my birthdays somewhere between the age of one and five. I don't remember now which one it was, <laughs> but one of those ones uh, I had my birthday party there. And the area that had the the pay the play place that we're used that John is used to, that was where they had the birthday parties. So like the, the tables were uh, different colors, and they had oh, yeah, like the yeah. the parties there. And then the outside had the the play area with the with the uh, the equipment like the burglar tower and yep. the and yep. the bouncy the, thingies the, and whatever. Yeah. So, <laughs> That, and that didn't little change. Little fry guys, yeah, the little fry guy things. And... Yeah, and that wasn't taken out until, oh, after I was out of college, I think. I think part of it was still there when I met John. So that, wow. was, that one stayed pretty old for wow. a long time, and I miss it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, all of us do, trust me. At the time this movie came out, I could imagine everybody is rolling their eyes at this blatant McDonald's. <laughs> product placement but now it's just 35 years later it's like oh look at all the memories yeah. it's like a time capsule yeah well at the time i remember mcdonald's had, had funneled a, a ton of money into it for a tie-in because of course they they did end up having uh, a happy meal for this they had happy meal boxes there were uh, there were books a series of four books yeah two of them were storybooks and then two of them were like coloring and activity books yeah 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 when you buy McDonald's Happy Meal featuring Santa Claus the movie, you get one of four full-color storybooks or coloring books. Thank you, Santa. Ho, ho, ho. 
McDonald's Happy Meal featuring Santa Claus coloring or storyboard. And then there were others like available in stores that looked exactly like the ones that you could get yeah. at McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. So it's very confusing. It's like, is this a McDonald's one? But Well, it's those are, yeah, and I've come across a lot of those too where they're, they are hard to tell sometimes unless you open the cover and then the retail versions usually have like the publishing information whereas the McDonald ones are just blank on the inside of the front cover. So it's, it's, uh, it, it's a little easy once you know what to look for, but yeah, it was, it was weird that McDonald's released these storybooks and then they also released them in retail. So it was just like, well, that's, that's kind of odd. We, ha we have a set of the two happy meal boxes in mint condition. They're, they're framed up on her shrine back there behind us. I think I've got and one, I've got one of the two somewhere. I've got a, I, we bought a big stack of happy meal boxes uh, from an auction, uh, but not from not an auction, but it was an estate sale. This lady had worked at McDonald's uh, in Saint, the St. Louis area. She had been a, a district manager for decades uh, and she passed away and her family uh, had this big estate sale and they just loaded up the driveway with, I mean, it was just boxes and bags full of full sets of toys dating back to like 1984, 85 around that time so there was Santa you know we, we found boxes for Santa Claus the movie and I mean we just we had stacks of stuff that we bought that day that uh, that was just and th that was one of those ones was digging through there finding Santa Claus the movie had one of the two Happy Meal boxes and the other tie-in they had they had a uh, you know for quite a few years if you bought a $5 book of gift certificates around Christmas time at McDonald's they'd give you like a little ornament Oh, and for yeah. this movie, they had little stuffed reindeer ornaments. In a distant land, Santa's elves are especially busy making you something special. Mm. A stuffed reindeer ornament just like the reindeer in the new motion picture, Santa Claus the Movie. <laughs> Good likeness. And it's free when you buy a $5 book of McDonald's gift certificates. So put plenty of both on your Christmas list. McDonald's gift certificates and free reindeer ornaments. Seems believe me. I remember the stuffed reindeers. I've never seen one of those in the wild. Never yeah. come across one of them in the wild. We have one that's on our Christmas tree every year. That's one that I've had since I was a kid. Yeah. And just looking at it, you'd have no idea it was from Santa Claus the movie. Unless no, you remember. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I've seen pictures of them and there's no like identifying markers on them that they're from. They were part of that tie-in, but they were. And I think that may have been one of the first years McDonald's gave out those little plush ornaments because they did it for Oliver and Company in 88 and the Little Mermaid. They did it and for the Rescuers. Uh, yeah, the Rescuers, yeah. Uh, and they're probably yeah. another Cinderella, the little mice. Uh, yeah, they Cinderella. did Cinderella. Yep, they did Cinderella. And it's fascinating, too. Every Christmas, you know, especially in, in the, the late 80s, 87, 88, uh, 89, 90, uh, every Christmas they would bring out, you would be able to get one of four VHS movies for like five bucks with the purchase of a meal. And it was like, I remember it was like Wayne's world and an Adams family and like different, uh, different like Paramount pictures and stuff for a while there. They were doing those. I can't believe McDonald's didn't ever sell this movie. You know, I'm surprised that they didn't, but if I, I don't remember, um, I don't remember who, released the film when it came out if it was columbia just columbia tristar so um it just probably one of those things where mcdonald's just never if the movie didn't do good and the tie-in didn't do that well they probably didn't reapproach the idea um uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very right. surprised that uh that that they didn't offer that and the ownership of the movies changed hands like quite a few times over the years like oh, tristar yeah. had the distribution rights 
for the United States and Canada in 1985, but then it's all since then it's uh, well, and the Salkins number of the Salkins owned the film kind of like yep. they did with Superman, and then things kind of got crazy when the Salkins finally got out of the business and the rights went everywhere. Um, kind of like the same uh, same idea. Like you see, Santa Claus the movie over the years released by so many different. Um, companies because the rights basically somebody would just purchase the rights and pick them up and release it on vhs or i think it has it been out on blu-ray yes it, it has released on blu-ray okay it, it looks amazing on blu-ray by the way oh, i bet i bet the who dvd released, the dvd looks horrible in com comparison <laughs> yeah who released it on blu-ray do you know off the top of your head um I, studio canal Lionsgate. Oh, Lionsgate. okay yeah mm -hmm. okay that makes sense and they would have gone back and cleaned it up and made sure it was digitized properly and cleaned up for that yeah because a smaller company would have just released the they would have just captured the the dvd version of it and just released it on blu-ray so also in november of uh november or december of 2019 a theater about two hours away from us that was having a cult classic night on some random tuesday night and they were playing this movie this movie looks amazing projected on a big screen oh, and I in that 4K restoration that they did, it's like yeah, just bet. mind blowing. Everything just pops right off the yeah. screen. I want to see it again. <laughs> I want to go to a movie again. Well, yeah. I never, I, I never would have guessed Pixar's Onward would be the last movie I ever saw. The well, the last theater. movie I had seen before things happened was I had gone to see Sonic the Hedgehog, and then the world went crazy. <laughs> and I was like, please, Lord, don't let this be the last movie I see this year. It was a good movie, but please, Lord, don't. Uh, <laughs> And then Dave and I braved to go see New Mutants. And then they were playing just before our theaters closed again. The Fandango was doing like the 35th anniversary of the the Turtles movie, the Teenage Mutant Turtles live action movie. So that, that's, that was actually the last movie I got to see last year. And I was like, all right, well, I can end the year on a good note then. <laughs> yeah, we kind of wanted to say, oh, wouldn't it be <laughs> cool if Santa, we could say Santa Claus movie was the last movie we saw in the theater, but it's like, no, because then we saw Rise of Skywalker, and oh, then we yeah. saw Onward, Pixar's yeah. Onward. Yeah. So, uh... And you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dang but, it. I know. Uh, the McDonald's <laughs> in the 80s, though, was such a, a magical place growing up as a kid in the 80s. It was, you know, my, my grandfather would take me there, like, every day after school, we'd go there and get a Happy Meal. So I had Happy Meal toys, you know. You know, I remember getting the little you know the transformer toys that didn't transform they were just hard plastic they came out they did them the same time as they did the little my little pony clip-ons that 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 mcdonald's did um you know i remember getting these books for santa claus the movie from mcdonald's you know when it when it came out um and i remember being very displeased that it wasn't a toy too by the way i have to be completely honest i remember going i don't want a book i want a toy this is crap yep. That's something we've said on the show in the past. It's like everybody's least favorite Happy Meal toy is the book. Yes. It's like we'd even take a bucket, one of the yes. trick or treat tales. Oh yes, yes, the buckets. We were people blown away. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, as I was gonna say, a lot of people don't realize the buckets though were were so. Like people remember the Halloween buckets of the Jack o' Lantern and the Witch and the Ghost, but what they don't know is that those buckets, they 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 had a predecessor where they were these. Uh, I don't even think, can't even think what the material was. They were like these plastic, these weird vinyl, like the first ones they ever did was the Dukes of Hazard and the Happy Meal toys were the Dukes of Hazard cars. And they were these, these plastic pieces that came apart and had stickers you would put on. And they eventually did like UFOs and submarines. 
And then this last summer, Carrie and I braved uh, uh, Branson, Missouri, because we were like, we got to get out of this. We got to get out of the state. We got to go on vacation. We got to do something this year. And uh, in an antique mall, I found a series of the old McDonald's UFO Happy Meal boxes that were these plastic boxes. Um, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. I love it. We're always amazed at what you find at flea markets and stuff. I swear mm. your state is like ground zero for uh, like <laughs> everything. Giant <laughs> toy finds. It's, it's weird because Springfield, Illinois, not so much. I don't get that lucky in town. Um, I may at some of the antique malls, but when it comes to like the flea market, our flea market sucks. It's the same people every week with the same garbage every week. There's never nothing. I mean, there's never anything new. You never find anything worth a darn. And you're like, oh, I don't even know why I come here anymore. Um, the same could be said about uh, our Salvation Army and our Goodwills. It's the same stuff all the time. Um, but when we go out of state or out of town, whether it be to Missouri or, um, you know, the, this last time we went to uh, we went to Florida and stuff and we, we hit up some antique stores and stuff around there. And it was you you're amazed at what you find you're just like holy crap you know um it's always the places outside the state that i end up finding some of the best stuff because it's just either nobody thinks to go dig at antique malls anymore or we just get really lucky and find stuff but because i remember the podcast you do where you, you talk about oh we went to an auction and spent 15 dollars and like like had like stuff the car full of stuff oh, yeah, it's like yeah. how does he keep finding all this stuff you he know that, never that was, find anything around here. and that was a sad part with with carrie and i deciding to not do the podcast anymore is because we just simply got to the point number one we ran out of room uh number two we were like we gotta stop spending money because uh we got bills <laughs> <laughs> and number three it just we we just we, there was nothing good there was no I, even before the pandemic i couldn't tell you the last good auction that we had been to it might have been I think it's on my memory today from six years ago, maybe. Um, and Carrie and I had gone to an auction in um, just uh, outside of Chicago. And basically it was, uh, it was all new kids on the block stuff. And yeah, it was, uh, it was six years ago. That was about the last good auction we've been to, honestly. Um, it's just, they, the, more stuff uh, is getting sold at the private auctions and private sales and people aren't going through auction houses anymore. So it's kind of sad, but eh. And that also reminds me, it's like, didn't you like win an auction or was it a yard sale or something like um, a former McDonald's employee or someone higher yes, up at that, McDonald's? And that's, got, what, like... what, that, yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier was that, that estate oh, sale. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And it was, it was just the whole driveway was mcdonald's it was just mcdonald's toys i mean if you think about these large totes just filled you know front to back of sets i mean full sets multiple full sets of you know she would just take sets of stuff and you know uh employee pins and and just i mean it was it was unimaginable i mean i've got a huge bag of pins that they gave out to just employees like anniversary pins and um like some of the some of the special Ronald McDonald pins they gave to employees for special occasions, and uh, just this it's just this huge bag of stuff, and it just boggled my mind. You know, I think we we ended up spending that day like something like three hundred dollars or something like that. I mean, which is, and I'm pretty sure we left a stack of stuff too. Like we bought it and we left it because we just had so much stuff to keep track of, and 
Uh, but yeah, that was the day. It was one of the first times we came home with and laid stuff out, and it just took up the entire section of the basement of of just stuff. And we were like, "Huh? Well, we went overboard." <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ever find it in your travels, we've been keeping in our our eyes open for. I'd love to find like um, you know how like when you go up to the drive through, they'd have like the little plastic sign to say, "Hey, we have the, Santa the Claus movie." Yeah, yeah the I couldn't signs. think. Of, I couldn't think of the word. But they'd switch them out on the menu yeah. board or whatever. It's like, oh, you can get the reindeer ornaments or you can get the storybooks. It's like, I'd like to find that. I haven't seen them on eBay or anything. So translates are, are hard to find. I've got one for Snow White and the Seven Dwarves on a reissue. The problem with those is, is that if they're not stored properly, they get destroyed because they're just flimsy, uh, flimsy thin plastic. And if, if, yeah. if they literally, as they age, they brittle. And especially if they're not kept, if they were never kept this somewhere where they're, um, you know, where the, where the weather is nice or it gets too humid or stuff, they'll they literally just fall apart in your hands. So it's part of the reason why translites are so hard to find for a lot of this stuff, because it just got destroyed. Um, some of it got saved, but I, I mean, I keep my eyes open, but I, I have never seen one myself either. And I've seen very few translites over the years. And the ones that I've seen are in private collections of people I know that they're like, look at this. And I'm like, mm, I want that. Okay. So Ben, we, I'm currently at the 27 second mark oh. <laughs> in our minute. <laughs> What's the record timer at? 41 minutes. <laughs> now the crazy thing is this McDonald's that we're looking at going back to the movie, this isn't a real McDonald's in New York. Nope. They built this on at Pinewood yeah. Studios on their back lot. It's crazy. Can you imagine the logistics of that? How many people from McDonald's would have had to sign off on this? Yeah, because they had to make sure that it matched what the restaurants looked like at the time, and they had to make sure that it all lined up properly. And it's like I could not believe that I couldn't go on like Street View, Google. It's like, oh, I wonder if this McDonald's is still open. But then to find out, like all the New York stuff is just back lot at yeah, Pinewood. Yeah. It just blew my mind. But now looking at it more and more. You can tell it's like a set. Yeah. Um, like next door to this McDonald's, there's a sign that says Severa's uh, Surver Market. And like the gate is pulled down. So yeah. I wonder what they sell there. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was really neat to see that too. And, and to think about, like you said, that it's a set and the fact that the way they had to build it, because the camera kind of pulls through the restaurant to the front windows. Um, as you kind of see people sitting down with their food and eating as it kind of pulls forward. So they had to make it so they could get the camera through there in proper way to get to the window. And uh, continuing on that, it's like they had to build like a 360 degree McDonald's because you get a shot of Joe, the homeless boy, he's pressed up against this McDonald's window, perfectly underneath one of the arches. Yeah. And the reflection above him in the window is of the 80s style menu board you know where they'd slide in the text and the, yep. the prices yeah it's like you can't make it out but you can tell that's what it is because at first i thought it was uh oh like buildings across the street some new york scenery from across the street but see, watching it on the tv before we started recording it's like oh that's a reflection of the menu board yeah it's like holy crap they uh <laughs> well and they when you think about that, that fact, you think about the, the, the budget on this movie it was $50 million for 1985. That's, that's a lot. That was a lot of freaking money for a movie in 1985. I mean, that was a huge budget for a film. Uh, you know, what was technically, uh, I mean, honestly, what is technically a kid's film? I mean, $50 million for this film was mind boggling, but you see it in every scene of the film. You see it on, on 
on everything they put into this movie from this, the, the North Pole sets to the McDonald's set to, you know, the, the, the old school, you know, cinema tricks they had to do with, with matte paintings and stuff in this film. You see every bit of that money on screen. And those animatronic reindeer, of course. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. They are so impressive. We we've sung their praises many times. For 1985, yes. Actually, they're more impressive than the ones in uh, the Santa Claus, which was Tim Allen, and that movie has animatronic reindeer in it. And the ones in the Santa Claus, of the movie, I think, are more impressive than the ones that that you know that were uh, that came after it almost 25 years later when a film starring Tim Allen. And when we've been breaking it down, we have to like go frame by frame to see like when they switch from puppet to real reindeer. Right. That's how convincing they are. Yeah, and I and I think that was part of it too. Is they they were they were animatronic and they were puppets at the same point. So th there was a lot more control than, uh, which is why they look so fluid because somebody somebody has you know their hand up there you know doing this with them talking. So it looks like here I am, I'm a reindeer. <laughs> yes, you know. That's another thing I wanted to bring up while we're talking about McDonald's. Sure. In the, the reindeers in the in the movie don't actually talk, but I'm sure I'll have been put in the audio from the McDonald's commercial. But when they're doing the commercial for the uh, little plush uh, uh, ornaments, the reindeer talk. So I, I don't know if it's canon that the reindeer can talk. Ben, what would you say? Would you just the the McDonald's commercial? They like look at the ornament and go, "Hmm, good likeness." <laughs> good likeness. Well. <laughs> I don't think so, but I, I believe we talked about way back at the beginning of the movie when we were talking about the Vendigum and the of stories of, of how animals reacted on Christmas night and everything, that the animals could communicate. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they do talk on Christmas. We just They just don't show it in the movie. We just don't open our hearts enough to hear them. <laughs> right. <laughs> It also makes me wonder, it's like, was this, did they make like an operating McDonald's with like fryers and stuff in the background? Because these people are carrying around trays you know, of food I, that they're I, eating. I wonder, you know, the, the food didn't necessarily have to be McDonald's food. They could have just prepared some burgers and stuff. And um, I don't think it was a set that had actual functioning fryers. I'm sure the set had fryers on it. Um, just to, in case the camera did catch them, that they would be, you know, accurate. But uh, yeah, I, that, that does make me wonder though. But I, I think more than likely that the, the burgers and stuff and the fries were, were prepared separately, you know. That, and they have to look perfect, you know, just like a, a real commercial. You know, they yeah. can't look like the actual uh, floppy fries and... Um... Thin and burgers. messy burgers where they've just gone. They've got the little things like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big there's difference. your there's your mustard, your ketchup. Here you go. It's like, oh, but they got. I'm sure there was a. I'm sure there was a team from McDonald's there, like overseeing yeah. every aspect of the scene. It's like these fries have to be positioned like this. Yeah. Take especially, a bite out of that Big Mac, like yeah. Like especially that. in the '80s, that was they were very conscious. I mean, they're more so now, but they were very conscious of image of mcdonald's they were very any time mcdonald's was featured in anything that you know in anything like this yes they would have people on set uh mcdonald's people making sure that things were as accurate as possible to portray mcdonald's as accurately as they could um to give the best image because you know mcdonald's in the 80s was you know 
you know, I don't think it was till the, the, the late nineties that started getting kind of, people were like, boo, health food, give us stuff. And the rest of us were like, but oh, <laughs> my mouth is good. Because everything in this scene, right down to the trash can is like, mm-hmm. like had to have been like to McDonald's specification. Yeah. Because it doesn't look like fake movie set. No. Fast food restaurant. This looks and, like a like a real McDonald's. Yeah. And again, it was probably stuff that that they they McDonald's flew over to Pinewood. Or I mean they have, you know, they probably had a construction company in London because at this time, you know, McDonald's were everywhere pretty much. So they probably just basically had the McDonald's factory wherever they were putting this stuff together for McDonald's in London in the UK, just bring the stuff over to build this set basically for them. I like how on the menu board that you can see in the background, you can even see um, probably a Big Mac in the window along with the a big Coke cup, like a cup of Coke yes. and everything. I mean, it's not just a, a menu board where it's black with the white writing that you can see. Like it's an actual yeah, it's, it's an actual menu, menu board. board. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And the prices back then, for those of you wondering what uh, a Big Mac would cost you in 1985, I can tell you, uh, a Big Mac uh, extra value meal in 1985 sold for $2.59. Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) As of 2018, it was $6.09 for a Big Mac value meal. So there you go. Interestingly, one thing we don't see in this McDonald's, there's no sign of any Happy Meals no. or Ronald or Grimace or any of the characters like that. There are no Happy Meal around. boxes anywhere. No, and that 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 bit surprised me a little bit because they could have probably at the time, because so many of the Happy Meal boxes at that time, well shortly after but about 85 86 is when they really started to hit a lot of licensed stuff uh, but before that most of the happy meals were all ronald bland characters you know every happy meal was something different ronald bland um, for the most part except for these weird odds and ends um, but it, it did strike me as weird that they didn't you know just do a generic happy meal box yeah you know with the happy meal logo on it and just have it on a table somewhere but uh, uh yeah i you know, as for the no Ronald stuff, that was a little weird because you would have thought that he would have been posted somewhere. You know, but... yeah, he wouldn't have to be in your face, but you would think like a like a hanging on the wall. I remember like the McDonald Land like frame pictures that a lot of restaurants would yeah. have. You know, they were yeah. like paintings of like the hamburger puppets and uh, whatnot. Yeah. yeah, the windows on the front of this McDonald's are extremely bare. You know, <laughs> like even like a well, window thing. You think back to the 80s, though, and they were, for the most part, the windows were always Open. pretty bare. It was just it was just the arch, you know, it mm-hmm. was just the McDonald arch that was on those windows. Um, and again, it wasn't until like at least the early 90s, late 80s, probably 89, 90, that you started to see more of this, this window signing go up, you know, the big, you know, the big stickers go up in the window and, you know, they, they changed the windows. The arches came off the windows so they could display more. Uh, of the sandwich and the meals and stuff. And I think that's that's when the flip happened. Mm. But yeah, it, it doesn't, yeah that, that was kind of normal for a McDonald's in the 80s to have these kind of open windows like that. Because hmm. they wanted you to be able to see in, to see people eating the food. So you'd go, hey, 
and even this uh, part of the minute like plays out like almost exactly like a McDonald's commercial. You could probably time it up with the McDonald's jingle. I mean, you except could. for the except for the starving homeless boy in the background. Uh, yeah, this which could play like a McDonald's commercial. Which I, I saw that and I go, oh yeah, there's a homeless kid in this. Crap, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I. Oh yeah. Although I, I'll be honest, the first time he popped up on screen, I went, "Is that a girl?" Oh, because his hair's long. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is that a girl? I was like, oh no, that's 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 the boy. That's right, that's right. Yeah. It's it's weird. I keep watching this like back and forth the uh the McDonald's part and it's following this this blonde as she's bringing the meal over to her family yes. and she takes this big heaping handful of fries and just shoves them in her mouth. It's like who eats fries I mean, like that? I mean, I I, I eat fries <laughs> like that. Shut up, Ben. <laughs> After a day of shopping in New York, she was really hungry. Well, I yeah. thought that I, maybe... I've, I've, uh, I've named her French fry lady okay. in my notes. Like, I thought maybe it was takes... like a chicken nugget and or I'm, something thinking, at first. but And I'm thinking, I'm like, she just crammed those fries in her mouth. And I'm like, I know those fries are hot as heck. Yeah. What in the world? Like, they just came out of the fryer because back then they made that stuff fresh pretty much. So, how? Just burn off your taste buds. So, this could have been the best role or the worst role of your life if you liked French fries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many takes do you think this poor woman had to go through? A lot. Like, how many times did yeah. you just shove the fries in her mouth? Oh, I, I'd have been done after like four. I'd be like, I can't oh. eat any more fries, guy. I'm like, my 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 heart's already beating fast from all the salt. I gotta stop. Well, I'd love to talk to French fry lady and like, <laughs> I should probably like, I've never eaten a French fry again after that. Yeah. Well, she, after her, that day, her mouth is never full of again. fries, and she's then she shoves a chicken nugget in there. It's like yeah. just take a breath. <laughs> the I food's gonna be there for you. Just eat it. <laughs> Calmly take your time. Oh, yeah, there she is. I didn't even notice yeah. her eating the nugget. Yeah. yeah. It's like, good God, lady. Stop wolfing your food down. You act like there's a homeless kid outside the window that, sh that hasn't eaten anything. And now, like you're acting like you haven't eaten in an hour. I mean, okay. And then uh, maybe it's just the mom in me, but she puts the food down on the table. She starts to eat her food while her kid gets up and hands the food out to everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't know, but that's my job. When I, <laughs> yeah, that's. I was like, that's kind of bull. Look at poor kid. Down. You gotta hand out the food, Billy, before you can eat it. Right. Well, mom, I don't care, Billy. Do it. <laughs> so it I'm looks so like on her hungry. tray. So it looks like on her tray, she has like one large drink and two other cups. I I can make out two French fries. Mm -hmm. I saw a box on there, but. I couldn't tell what it was, but now I guess we know it's uh, Chicken McNuggets. Yeah, it looks like there's just fries, drinks, and a big box of Chicken Nuggets. Chicken Nuggies. Nom, 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 nom. It's got to be one of the, it's got to be probably a 20 count <laughs> or whatever it was back then. <laughs> hey, it would have been 20 Nuggets. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And the little girl says, if you uh, since I've watched this more times than any human <laughs> normally would, you can make out the little girl um, handing out the drinks, and uh, the boy says, "No, mine's chocolate." So we can assume these are all milkshakes. Yeah, and not, chocolate uh, shake. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, back when the shake machine wasn't broke all the time. <laughs> so uh, before we uh, we already uh, skipped ahead to French fry lady, but we also see a trio of uh, yeah. gentlemen enter the establishment, and one of them turns and almost looks at the camera. Maybe he's looking at the blonde with the French fries. Yeah, I think he is. I think but, he's following her. 
His eyes, I mean, are following her. <laughs> it's a married woman, sir. How dare you? Maybe he's like, following oh, yeah, the look food. At the, he's just checking out, he's checking out the food. Yeah, he's checking yeah, out he's the like, fries. Mm, I'm going to get me some of them fries. Yeah, them fries are going to be mine. <laughs> So the movie clip that we're going by um, is from the DVD version, which yeah. is a little more compressed. So I couldn't tell if if anything was on the hat. So yeah. Ben did some investigating well, to see if she could make out what was on this guy's hat. And, and I can't because going frame by frame, it is a blur in every single one. It's not clear. But I'm going to guess it must be a sports team of some sort. And going off the colors, it's got to be either the Rangers or the Giants. I'm not really sure. It's a big color, though. I mean, like a big font, but I can't tell what it is. So while the family with French Fry Lady starts to eat, we zoom in and we zoom in on Joe, who's in that window. He's he's pressed up against that window. I'm surprised nobody's uh, shooed him away. Yeah. Behind Joe, this is another thing we did some investigating on. Yeah. Ben, how about you explain what is uh, okay. in the background? I thought it was a building across yeah. the street, and all I could make out on my uh, screen was the word bros. Right, yeah. B-R-O-S. So across the street behind Joe is a uh, big box truck that says Wiser Bros Incorporated, and underneath it, it says the Carpet Fabric Warehouse, the total concept. So, um... I don't know if that's a real place, but uh, it's a very interesting slogan. The total concept. I guess you can get all of the fabrics for your house. Cab carpets and fabrics and everything. But you can tell it's a it's a box truck. Just, But it does look like a building. But the cars are driving by, so it's parked across the street. And But you can see the, the window of the cab and the wheel well behind Joe. So... Next, we have an extreme close-up of a lady in a knit hat as she takes a bite out of a Big Mac. Yes. Can you imagine having a, having that projected on a giant screen? You I just <laughs> taking a bite out of a hamburger like that? Yeah. And suddenly you're like, mm, popcorn's not doing it for me anymore. It's like, oh, we can't have it. <laughs> and going back to the French fry lady and the number of takes she must have done. Like, oh, get her another Big Mac. Like, take another bite. Yeah. You can McDonald's needs to sign off on this. They are showing how warm that burger is that she's biting into because you could faintly see the steam rolling off from it. Yeah. And also in my notes, I have the Big Mac was introduced in 1967. <laughs> it went nationwide the following year. It went on to become one of McDonald's trademark sandwiches. Because we have to stop and take a little uh, trivia break. <laughs> yeah. And then another woman takes a bite out of a chicken McNugget. Yep. Chicken nuggies. McNugget mania sweeps the nation. What's behind the popularity of McDonald's chicken McNuggets? Could it be chunks of tender boneless chicken cooked to a golden brown? Could it be hot mustard, sweet and sour, honey and barbecue? Four sauces made especially for dipping. Could it be six, nine, and twenty McNugget sizes? What is this, Chicken McNuggets. People come for them in cars, on foot, even on their knees. And they all come to one place. McDonald's. McNuggets. McDonald's and you. And it still blows my mind how the McNugget was still a fairly new menu item at the time this movie came out. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, they hadn't been around that long. This was like the new big thing. Uh, McNuggets were first introduced in select markets in 1981 and were rolled out worldwide in 1983. This movie was filmed in 84 and of course released in November of 85. So 
And in our timeline, this is Christmas of 1983. Oh, so it, it all tracks. So they're brand new yeah. in this scene. And then we see a gentleman taking a sip of his drink. Judging by how he's sipping the drink, I also think it's another milkshake. I don't think McDonald's was uh, plugging Coca-Cola yeah. in their scene. I'm going to guess he's taking a sip of a milkshake. Just yeah, how forcefully, was. Just for how forcefully he's yeah. sucking the straw. Right. <laughs> Like, that's going to be a thick shake in there. <laughs> yeah, I think the only Coca-Cola... Yeah, I think the only Coca-Cola in this is from the reflection in the menu board. And not only is Joe, you know, out there looking at all the food, he's also looking at all these happy families. Because he's a he's an orphan. He has quite a sad backstory yeah. in the novel. Yeah. It doesn't get into it as much in the movie, but it's like, didn't his mom die or ran off or something? <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, his, his his mom passed away, and his uh, he never knew his father. And uh, according to the novel, the thin, transparent wall of McDonald's may have well been the Great Wall of China, if only the people inside could see how hungry he was. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty pretty sad. Gosh. McDonald's was, McDonald's was mentioned in the book. Was it in the Mar Was it in the Marvel comic too? Now now we have to. I bet it wouldn't be called McDonald's in the Marvel comic. Uh, no, I don't see McDonald's. It goes straight from the assistant to, oh, can't talk about it. It just shows the assistant. It doesn't show anything about Manhattan. Goes straight into the next minute, so I can't talk about it. That must be why I don't have any notes from the comic. <laughs> I hope you're impressed at how thorough we are on this on this podcast. You brought you brought up that Marvel comic, and I was like, "Oh crap, I've got that downstairs too, somewhere." I also had prepared a brief history of McDonald's. The first McDonald's restaurant was uh, started in 1948 by brothers Maurice and Richard McDonald in San Bernardino, California. They bought their appliances from a small hamburger for their small hamburger restaurant from salesman Roy uh, Ray. Is it Roy or Ray? It's, I can't read my own handwriting. It's Roy. Roy Kroc. Kroc saw yeah. great promise in the restaurant concept and offered to begin a franchise program for the brothers. And on April 15, 1955, he opened the first McDonald's franchise in Des Plaines, Illinois. Also in 1955, he launched the McDonald's Corporation, eventually buying out the McDonald's brothers. Yeah, go watch the movie The Founder with... Uh with uh, um, Michael Keaton. Michael, Michael Keaton. Oh, I, saw it, yeah. I saw it on an airplane like four years ago. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant film. As of 2019, McDonald's operated and franchised a total of 38,695 restaurants worldwide. And I was trying to find amount. when the, and when the first, I was trying to find when the first McDonald's in New York City opened. And I, I, I kept running into, kept running into walls. So if yeah. anybody knows, maybe they can write in. <laughs> Um, I also want to add, we did look up on the map. I don't know when it opened, but there, a couple of minutes ago, we talked about theoretically where BZ's townhouse would be in Manhattan. And according to uh, Google Maps, there is a McDonald's just a couple blocks away. I don't know if it was open in 1983, but we could pretend it was. And uh, they're just a couple blocks away. So it is possible that joe was able to walk from mcdonald's over to bz's townhouse for this next scene that comes up that we start in this minute 
So I just wanted to throw that out there. I did look. There is one a couple blocks away. And I have one more thing before we leave McDonald's. You guys are going to think I'm making this up, but uh, <laughs> the song playing in the background is a real song. Um, it is called Shouldn't Do That, and it's performed by Kaja, K-A-J-A, also known as Kaja Gugu. Kaja Gugu. British, yeah, a British new wave slash pop band. This song was featured on their third album. The single reached number 63 on the UK's Top 100 in August of 1985. The album was not a success, however, and the band disbanded in December of 1985. Yeah, the Sekajagugu wasn't around that long. But okay. how does that that messes up the timeline? How can this song be playing yeah. in a McDonald's that we've determined is taking place in 1983 if the song wasn't released well, in 1985? This is not the first time the music that they choose messes with the timeline. Yeah. So what, what was the song you said again. it was? Shouldn't do that. Huh. And they did that movie specifically for that film. Yeah, according, I don't know what according they... to this, uh, according to Google. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know it was exclusively for Santa Claus the movie. Yeah, I yeah, thought they shouldn't just do that. Some... Santa Claus the movie. Wow. What they're most known for is uh, hush hush, eye to eye, don't talk too shy. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's uh, one of the, one of the the really the only song I know that they did. Yeah, yeah, that song was. Uh, Shouldn't do that. Santa Claus the movie. That's crazy that they recorded it just for this movie that's drowned out by all this chattering going yep. on in this McDonald's. And until I, we took this deep of a dive into this movie, I just thought it was background noise. It could have been anything piped into that McDonald's. <laughs> so Joe finally walks away from the McDonald's window. I wonder how long he was pressed up against there just watching people eating creepily. And drooling down the window. <laughs> like licking the window. Ah. <laughs> So I want to I want to say from the book this gets confusing because it, the book messes with our timeline so I'm going to um, we're going to just stick with the movie timeline but in the book the urban development Santa uh, scene you know where he sees the Santa the fake Santa with the urban development collection fund stealing and and drinking and all that yeah um, that happens right after McDonald's. So it kind of messes with the timeline. So in the movie, they put that part in a previous e previous year, but in the book, it happens right after McDonald's. So, and then uh, when we leave McDonald's here, we see Cornelia and she is wearing a red and white dress, which was mentioned in the novel that she was wearing when Joe saw her the first time. So looking out the window mm. and in the movie she's wearing a school uniform so the book and the movie do not really correspond in this section they mixed it all up well what's interesting <laughs> about a lot of these novels when they when they wrote novelizations 
and they still do to this day. I don't know if they write as many novelizations now as they did, but you know, in the eighties and the nineties, when they were novelizations for just about every friggin' blockbuster big picture <laughs> that came out, uh, they usually worked off pretty early versions of screenplays. So that's why a lot of stuff, um, like if you go back and read the Back to the Future novelization for the first film, there's so much stuff in there. There's so much more stuff that Marty uh, did with his father in the 50s that is not in the film because they, they were just, you know, there's all this different information. Uh, same with something like uh, Peter Jackson's The Frightener, which was what I remember reading vividly. Um, the fact that there's the screenplay that Jackson wrote would have been a four hour movie. And they pulled everything from the novelization out of that screenplay uh, before they started cutting stuff for a theatrical release, Universal did. So there's so much more information and background stuff uh, that should have been in the movie that wasn't. So that's a lot of times that's where you get these weird, uh, like with the Santa Claus, the novelization, you get these weird things that, that kind of flip the, the timelines a little bit. And it's because they, they came at different points in the screenplay than they did initially when they edited the film. Yeah, we've never been able to find. We're we're always on the lookout, but we've never found like a script, like a shooting script or a early version of the screenplay or anything. There used but, to be a place, and again, this goes back to the '90s. There used to be a place you could literally order just about any screenplay because the the Writers Guild of America um, had copies of pretty much every filmed screenplay that they had that Hollywood had made um, for decades. So you would be able to. Um, I don't remember if it was the, the, the WGA or if it was someone connected to them, but you could request a movie and you would just get a photocopied screenplay in the mail of this movie. Um, I've got a ton of them downstairs of uh, several things, and even stuff that hadn't, uh, that was early, uh, like I've got an Indiana Jones film that just was was written. Uh, it, it's written by Lucas, and it, Lucas has discussed it before, but it just they never filmed it. So that you could request that kind of stuff back then. I don't know if anyone does that anymore, though. Oh, man, that would be awesome. Yeah, but what I was going to say is like a lot of things, a lot, a lot of things in that novel, it's obviously based on an early screenplay because a lot of stuff in the book tracks with uh, scenes that were filmed and were on the deleted scenes on the Blu-ray, like little bits that took place like in between other scenes. So right. this is probably the closest that we have to a... Uh, screenplay so we only get like one second of cornelia and her nanny uh miss tucker here before we close out ben yeah. and i will be talking more about that next week i didn't know if you had anything to add on cornelia and the nanny here jason <laughs> no we actually we actually talked to carrie k heim uh, cornelia for mm -hmm. the podcast it was, it was awesome she was really? such a good sport yeah. yeah that's awesome yeah about a month ago like she she was awesome Yep, we were we pepper in her in interview into all the different minutes. So when uh when we have something from her that involves that minute, we plop it in there. So oh, she'll gotcha. be joining our podcast for the end of time. <laughs> it was probably the most unusual in, uh, interview she's ever given. <laughs> we were just all over the place. <laughs> we tried to be organized. It didn't work. So let's see. I'm at the end of my notes. I can't believe it's over yeah. already. <laughs> Boy, that minute flies by in a good two hours, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. Uh, so we have been recording longer than the uh, movie, and <laughs> uh, we discovered one minute of of it. So good. <laughs> good.
there is uh we were talking about screenplays there is um here i'll have to see you guys this link but there's a thing called crypt city a script city um basically they'll deliver a pdf i mean it's you have to pay for it which kind of sucks but uh there's no draft date so i couldn't tell you what version of the film it is but i mean there are they are still doing this type of thing that i talked about earlier um where they you could just basically send somebody some cash and they'll give you some uh, some scripties you know i've seen that site before but what's keeping me from pulling the trigger is that the names attached to the script aren't the screenwriters of this santa claus movie right so it's like if i cough up the 15 dollars, am i going to get a pdf to some unrelated santa claus movie yeah is it going to be yeah is it going to be the right one yeah that's the problem <laughs> some of this stuff like i was looking for looking to see if anyone else uh looks like the, that, uh, the the prop gallery looks like had a uh had a production use script that sold for about 845 pounds at some point dated march 19th 1984 Yep, we have definitely Googled and Googled and <laughs> like we keep hoping like one surfaces someplace. Yeah, but the only reason I haven't pulled the trigger on Script City is like those two names on the script aren't David or Leslie Newman. It's like right. it's like John Mahoney or something. And yeah. It's like I'm just gonna get like some some unrelated Santa Claus movie for my fifteen dollars. <laughs> and then other than other than that, the only so-called script websites are just transcripts, like the closed yeah, the, captioning. Yeah, yeah, the tra yeah, the transcripts are terrible. Well, I'll keep my eyes open for that too one of these days and we'll we'll see what <laughs> happens. Maybe somebody I used to have a friend that dealt in screenplays and stuff, and uh, maybe they they still have a, an in somewhere, but uh, I'll look around for you. Then we'd have to revisit every one of the minutes we've already covered and see yeah. how it differs <laughs> in the script. We'll just have to, we just have to start the podcast over when we're when we're yeah, done. When done. Oh my God. The script. <laughs> yeah, we don't have any sequels or remakes or reboots, so it's like when, once we hit minute one hundred and eight, um, we're we're done. Eh, it's a good ride while it lasts, gang. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Jason. This yes, thank you. No, thank you. It, for it was us. awesome. Thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate it. It's good to see your faces. It's good to talk to you again. Um, say for those of you listening, I, I, John and Ben and myself and my wife, Carrie, I think the last time we met was, was it Pony Fair? Yes. In yeah. Chicago. And that was, that was that five was years ago? Was it 2015? 2015? Oh, wow. 2015 or 2016? Yeah. yeah it was One of those two. <laughs> Yeah, as I say, it, it, it it's it's been a while, so it's been it's it's nice to see your guys' faces and see you guys are doing good, and uh, I'm more than happy to hang out with you for this time and and chat and go off the rails and see what happens. So it was it was a pleasure. So before we wrap things up, before we do our plugs, where can people find you on the internet, Jason? Well, you can find us at uh, if you go to Facebook.com, you can look up Toy World Order fans. It's a fan group uh, that that's on there. You can also find us at ToyWorldOrder.com. Uh, you can find us at iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, under Toy World Order for David Duvall's Toys and Collectibles, which uh, uh, for those of you listening uh, is, uh, is at times not a family-friendly podcast because Dave and I, uh, um, we, we, we do like to, to curse on occasion uh, as, we, as we're old men and, bro, you kids can't tell us what to say, brr. Um, you can you find us there. You can also find us at youtube.com slash Toy World Order, uh, as well as our sister show, which uh, is going to be coming back. Uh, as we filmed episodes before the pandemic hit and they just have not been able to get finished yet. But uh, you can go to youtube.com slash board the show, which is the uh, board game show that uh, I do with uh, my pal Dave Draper, uh, as well as uh, the one and only Pixel Dan Erdley. So 
And Ben, where can they find us on the internet? <laughs> we are on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Santa Minute. And you can also email us if you have anything you want to share at Santa, uh, Santa by the minute at gmail.com. And Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And as always, you can listen to any of our episodes. There we go. This was an epic podcast. I'm glad. I, yeah. We're not going to let people down with uh, this one. This is one of the minutes everybody remembers. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, if we had to like clear a whole schedule, it's like me, me and uh, Jason are probably going to go off the rails, take a lot of detours. Yeah, that that happens. It tends to happen. That's okay. Oh, you. I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. And, and like right. speaking of speaking of detours, and I, I won't keep you too long. How excited are you that the Muppet Show is finally? I'm more excited. I'm more excited <laughs> that people will finally be able to see seasons four and five, because of all. It's weird because Disney brought the first three seasons out. Season one and season two came out pretty quick. Season three was like five years later. And it's because Disney was, I don't know if their lawyers were having trouble or they as a company were having trouble ponying up the money for the rights to the music in the show. Because yeah. back then they weren't just using like, yeah. yeah. And like each it, show has dozens of songs and then it was only cleared for use on television. Yes, so. and they also had to pay um, the estates of a lot of these people that are no longer mm -hmm. with us that were hosting the show in order to use them. So that's what held up seasons four and five forever because it just, uh, the, the, it's kind of like with the with WKRP in Cincinnati. If you ever watch those broadcasts, it has the original music. But if you ever get the DVDs or the Blu-rays and watch them, they've changed 70% of the music because they can't pay for the music rights because they were using actual music that was on the airwaves at that time. And it was all cleared for television. It was kind of the same thing with Muppets. So it, it's nice that people will finally get to see seasons four and five in high def because they had been done forever, but they just had never been able to be released. So that, that to me was more exciting than anything because people will finally be able to see the Star Wars episode in high def, which is a, which is a big episode for that for season four. And yeah, from what, from what I've been able to gather, yeah, they just, all the, celebrity estates they had to deal with and all the music companies they yep. had to deal with like i kind of given up on it because i think it's been 13 years now since season three came yeah, out on it's TV. been a long time and then it's like just out of the blue the few weeks ago it was like oh surprise it's going to yeah. be on disney plus so yeah that was a big deal yeah and people are super excited that dinosaurs is on the whole series is on disney plus now people were super excited about that this weekend so we, we started an episode and our son was ready to tune out at like yeah. five minutes. Yeah, yeah, five minutes. And he's oh, like, man. can we watch something else? Yeah. <laughs> like, look, at, look at these puppets. Look how impressive they are. It's like, no, that, let's watch YouTube. That sitcom has the most saddest ending of any sitcom I've ever seen because they all die. And you're like, well, this, this was a terrible way to go out, Jim. Thanks. Appreciate it. It may have worked out for the best if, you know, since Tegan, Tegan takes everything to heart. Like, if there's a sad scene in the movie, oh, yeah. He just starts bawling. Mm -hmm. Going back oh, to the no. Muppets, remember that the 2011 Jason Seagull one? Yes. Like, at the end, it looks like everything is Kermit's lost at the theater and he's giving this speech to all his friends. 
Tegan was just in tears. Oh, bless his heart. He was just bawling. Oh. Nobody, just hang with it. They're not, this is not going to, yeah. this isn't yeah. how it's going to end. It's the Don't Muppets. Work. It's, it's going to work out. It's the Muppets. They always work it out. But, you know, like the emotional <laughs> music is going and Kermit's like, you know, we, we may have failed, but, you know, we're still all together. Yeah. And Tegan just oh, losing man. it. <laughs> That's adorable. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Of course, with a, a Tegan, he's like, they, he's like, he, they made a movie out of the Muppet Babies because he watched, he's seen the oh, the new <laughs> Muppet Babies. Yeah. yeah, It's like, no, we're old. Yeah, no, no, it's been around for a while. Sad. <laughs> That's something you'll probably never see on Disney as Muppet Babies. <laughs> That's another thing they got to clear a million. You know, yeah, they'll, they'll, clear. they'll never be able to do it. They might be able to do some of it, but they'll never be able to do all of it because they were. The amount of stuff they used in that show is just mind-boggling. Mm. How they were able to clear it for television back then is just unreal. I'm sure it was a lot of handshake deals. It's like, hey, Steven or George, yeah, can I yeah. get from Star Wars well, or Ghostbusters? Well, that show, Muppet Babies, you actually used footage from Temple of Doom before Temple of Doom was even in the theaters. Oh, I never realized that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were they, they was in the Muppet Babies before it was actually in the theaters. Are you going to keep in all this Muppet talk, or have you stopped recording? <laughs> no, I kept recording. I never know what's going to come up. It's a good time, good time for the great taste of McDonald's. It's a good time for getting to 